a thing that really makes me angry is especially when women say, boy, she's got big cojones or she's going balls to the wall. And I get infuriated and truly believe that we have got to say we are going ovaries to the wall. She's got big (laughs) ovaries. If we are always in reference to how we do or don't fit to the categories that are given to us and the language that is given to us and the imagery that's given to us, that's when we won't win. Welcome to Women Are Mad, where we invite women to bring their anger into everyday conversation. We're all feeling it. Let's get together to work out what to do with it. I'm Jennifer Cox. I'm Salima Saxton. I'm Jane Green. So we're doing today a bit differently in honour of our highly esteemed guest, We didn't want to clutter the show with our own rage this week when this woman truly carries the torch for women's anger globally. She is Executive Vice President and Chief Global Strategy and Innovation Officer at Planned Parenthood Federation of America. She has participated in global consultations challenging opposition to worldwide sexual and reproductive health rights and is co-founder of the Billion Girls CoLab in Nairobi, a girl-led research and developmental laboratory for sexual health and reproductive rights. Please welcome the woman fighting for our most fundamental freedoms, Dawn Legans. So Dawn, we've already introduced you before you, before you got here. Um, and we always kick off normally by asking our guest the very big question, what makes them angry? But I wonder if in your case, I can take you back to 1973, because I've read and I saw in your TEDx talk about your third grade activism in the playground, (laughs) obviously the same year as Roe v. Wade. But um, I love the idea of you expressing your anger coherently, beautifully in third grade. So may we start there? Yeah, wherever you want, we'll go. What, what kind of child were you then? What, how engaged were you, do you think, already at that point? The rumor is I came out talking. So yeah, <laughs> okay. about a decade before that, right? And then uh, didn't stop talking since then. But I, in 1973, of course, at the very same time that uh, the amazing freedom fighters are out there arguing Roe v. Wade and securing at least in principle, let's say the right to abortion, right? We know that just having a right and having access to that right are different things. And that's Mm -hmm. been the case in this country in terms of if you're where you live, your zip code, what if you're a person who is a person of color, if you're LGBTQ, right? So broad range there. But they were fighting for a big idea. And at that time, I was about in third grade and we... uh, had a playground situation at my school that was very angering to me, which was that the girls had to stay on one side of the playground and the boys had the other side. The girls had the cement, basically, right? And the boys had the field and the playground equipment. And it seems insane that it was- It does seem insane. That that was reality, but- Mm. You know, maybe that's how they're keeping order or something. Anyway, it just infuriated me. And so I organized a 
lot of the girls and we would do these raids all at once, right? Kind of mass action. So I guess my my first understanding was don't go by yourself, Dawn. Never. <laughs> you know? Yeah, hey, what yeah. is a team? Try and, try and get all the girls together. And then boys started being in, right? And there were some allies and you picked them out and they would kind of glom up with us and we would all run and play on the jungle gym and right and then run back and then they would start coming over and then eventually i think we just created so much chaos as i recall they just kind of gave up on it and of course we had disproved whatever theory they were working on Mm. and so you know i think that has informed my activism and anger my whole life which Mm. is the thing that definitely infuriates me the most is injustice, unfairness, all kinds of meanness, bullying, right? Every ism you can think of, right? Racism, sexism, any anti-differentism. Mm. So that's that's kind of the pod of my rage, if you will. But uh, listening to your podcast has helped me get in touch with a few others. But, <laughs> you know, come together as a group, have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish and really don't wait for instructions because you have to give them, right? If you're looking for somebody else to come up with the creative ideas or whatever, that person might be you. And also, I think what you're saying there about the playground stuff is that clearly in you was this refusal to allow being a girl to stop you. You didn't see a difference. I was very infuriated for sure, like rules being unfair to girls and the idea that girls couldn't do whatever they want or be whatever they want. I mean, I was dialed into that from a very, very early point. Right. And I I was it was actually thinking about uh, particularly with our psychotherapist here, I was thinking, you know, I have had many moments of boil over my lifetime and in fighting in this uh, world of reproductive health and rights. But, you know, I've probably been on simmer since I was about <laughs> right four. And yeah, what kind of, what kind of impact does that have on a human? So, well, so what kind of impact yeah. does that have? I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me ask you that, Dawn. What do you think, how does that impact you? Yeah, it, I think it has you in both good and bad ways, right? Wired to look and find injustice everywhere, right? And to see it, Um, but also being real about being a human being and your singular and even collective ability to address everything. Um, You know, I think that you really do have to say, sometimes I'm just a person, right? You're, if you're always on simmer, ready to boil, it's just not healthy in a way. Right, so, I think is maybe what I'm thinking. And if I if I may ask, you know, one of the things that that the medical community be- believes, and and we're finding out is that intense emotions like that, like anger, can have a somatic uh, response in our body. And I'm wondering if if you've ever noticed that kind of health wise, has anything ever come up because of that being on permanent simmer? Yeah, I haven't had any traumatic health issues, but I think it impacts you know your family right how much exercise you get like all of the things that are again couldn't add up to more serious situations Mm -hmm. right from a health perspective but also you know 
you don't become the good tennis player you could have become. You, <laughs> you, you don't do some things because you're off doing others. And I do remember a few times, like when I was uh, early in my career at Planned Parenthood uh, and, you know, Mike Pence, back when he, uh, for the listeners, you know, he was the vice president, Donald Trump, but he was a longtime evildoer in terms of Planned Parenthood and reproductive health and rights and the LGBT community in terms of his time in Indiana and in the House of Representatives. And when he came after Planned Parenthood to try to defund us, and it was kind of one of the earliest major fights of this era. There have been fights for the entire existence of Planned Parenthood, of course, over 100 years. But I think I lost about you know 15 pounds in maybe three weeks or something. I mean, it was all on all the time. And you realize, wow, you can just fall down the mm. full on rabbit hole mm. and then you not really positioned to lead or fight. How do you remain being a, a joyful warrior? as you so beautifully put it, particularly post-June of last year and the overturning. Um, how does that remain? Yeah, And I, I know we're going to get to this, which obviously the most rageful thing and anger producing thing at this moment is uh, what's for me is what's happening to abortion rights in this country. And, and again, furthering access divides for, for people across the U.S. And what happens in the U.S. we know does not stop at the borders of the U.S. too often and gives legitimacy for others who are trying to attack abortion rights all over the all over the world. Indeed. But, mm. you know, the U.S. Supreme Court is a rage machine. You remember the band Rage Against the Machine. They're just a rage machine, rage producing machine. And you have to, I think, in order to stay joyful, you have to work with amazing people. That is where the joy comes, the friendship, the camaraderie, mm. the belief uh, that we are moving ultimately or we can move ultimately to the world we want and the world that people deserve may not be in my lifetime. It may, you know, it's a, a constant process and a constant reinvention, but the joy really comes from knowing that every day, you know, people call me and say, what can I do? What can I do? I know what I'm doing. I get up every day and I got a job in the fight. Mm -hmm. And that really uh, solves a lot for me and helps me focus my attention and my energy. And again, I have wonderful colleagues in the movement, in all of the movements. And we can't see any of these things as sitting as unique attacks, right? Unique mm -hmm. anger producing moments. They're part of a whole system. Well, also, I think it's so fascinating, actually, what you say about that huge weight loss that you experienced. That is such a drain that is costing you so much by way of energy that then there's nothing left. You know, you're sort of putting it towards that. And what it feels like has happened is that you found a way of really turning that energy around and, and pushing it outwards towards the goal rather than allowing it to eat you up and deplete right. you and starve you so you have nothing left. Right. And we have to, I think, really thank the reproductive justice movement and also gains in understanding from psychotherapists and others, which is, and, and, uh, and the health movement, but which is that if you don't do some self-care, if we as a movement don't, will be destroyed, right? That's their whole idea is we yeah, will, that's the plan. Know, it's always been, mm -hmm. we'll work people to death. We'll work women to death. We'll 
you know, put maternal mortality, I think, is actually a, a outgrowth of that kind of idea. Obviously, slavery in our country. I mean, that's that's the history of white supremacy and patriarchy is is extractiveness. And mm-hmm. so if we buy into that whole theory, which it's easy to do, we were raised in it. Right. We're dunked in that here in the U.S. Right. Individualism, capitalism and there's no perfect system. Let's let's just say that. But, you know, at at their worst, they just deplete people and communities and the land and everything we know is at the root of what is destroying our planet. So hold on. I, I, I know we're going to, to we're going to ask you this at the end, but it, it's it's how I mean, as a citizen, as a U.S. citizen, who who lives in the US, I feel much of the time enormously hopeless um, and pessimistic. And, and it's very hard for me sometimes to see the light. And, and you have to see the light, which is very hard, because all the news that coming out about Planned Parenthood is it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And every time there is perhaps one step in the right direction it feels like there's another two steps backwards and i'm wondering how how are these the i guess these are the the tools that you that you use but you must sometimes despair or is it just me because you're at the helm i mean i'm relying on women like you to to sort of pave the way for our daughters i don't despair i okay. i think that's just not a word yet in my vocabulary uh, and my emotional uh, and that might just because I'm not that complex. But uh, it also for me, when I step back, I'm very into history and like all the way back to the beginning of time kind of history. Right. Is and I, I look at it in the small amount of time that we are in. Right. But if you keep looking back, you do see struggle and progress, struggle and progress. And sometimes, again, it stretches over many people's lifetimes. But then when you look at the continuum of all history, when you look at women 500 years ago, right, you look at the the progress that we do make, I guess, makes me hopeful. And then I look around the world and I'm very blessed to be able to work not only in the U.S., but with colleagues all over the globe you look at what's happening in Latin America with the green wave. You look at what people are putting on the line in Iran. You look, you know, you look at what folks are doing, how creative they are, how brave they are. And and that just fills me with hopefulness. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. The, uh, and also, can I just say Planned Parenthood and, and all the other organizations that work in our field, we are resilient, creative. We've been dealing with this shit for, you know, a long time, right? And so I don't think of it just like one step forward, two back. It's like one forward, oh, they push, we're gonna go right, and then we're yes. gonna go under, and then we gotta go over, and we're yeah. inventing things and we're partnering differently. And we have things like the birth control pill going over the counter. We've got self-medication abortion that people are understanding is accessible to them and that they can have support and can access that, right? So a lot is 
shifting. And I I just think we got to keep going. You said this great thing in your TED talk about um, sharing more stories. I really love this because I think it applies not only to um, fighting for rights within sexual health, and but also as humans, whatever fight we're in, uh, at whatever point in our lives, the sharing of human stories, I thought was such a fantastic way to put it, Dawn, in the, in helping us all connect with why this fight right now is all of our fights and not just for a few of us or not not for us to applaud our lines and kind of wave and say, well, that's not the, that's not the case in our country or, you know, mm. that it's it's a human, it's an every man, every woman story. I, I thought that was a very clever way to put it. One thing that uh, Alexis McGill Johnson and I, she's the president of Planned Parenthood and my my great uh, colleague and friend. And we talk a lot about how the body is the original democracy. Right. Right. And if you don't have that sense of being an agency and decision making, you can't actually be a real citizen. Right. Because it's predicated on the whole idea. I mean, democracy, participation, civic engagement, that you are you and you have a say about you and what you say matters. Mm -hmm. And so we really think of ourselves as a bit of a democracy engine of a Mm -hmm. civic engagement engine. And that that's a very different way to think about it than just deciding about whether or not to be pregnant, right? Which is a critically important decision. But those are some of the earliest decisions you make. I love this point about the body as as your as your kind of geography, because I think for so many women, they feel that they are wrong. They're just wrong. They're the wrong thing. Their thoughts are wrong. Their bodies are wrong. Their feelings are wrong. So to remind them that they are not, they're simply not that as as a as a basic, they have just rights uh, as compared to all others. And there's equality just right there. And that's something that I think most women are very far from just in their own sort of daily lives. Right. For good reason, they're taught that, right? Mm -hmm. It's modeled everywhere you go. And as I was, again, listening to your wonderful podcast and thinking, I'm such a happy person. And I'm like, well, that makes me angry and that and oh, what that person said. And I was thinking about, you know, one of the things that really makes me angry, which makes me no fun to like watch television with or go to movies is that I literally despise TV, movies and content that make money centering misogyny and abuse of women. And that is right. a lot of TV and a yeah. lot of movies and still Mm. still and so no wonder people don't think their bodies and their thoughts are safe or valuable or Mm. respected i mean it just it just makes my head blow off because they're not frankly they're not respected yeah and and patriarchy again makes it so that you know it's kind of predicated on dividing women and others in order to maintain power. So it lets some people in as long as they agree to these things, right? And then it says, the rest of you, you're going to be punished. But I think it's often about putting an acceptable face, isn't it? So uh, so I'm half Pakistani, half English. um, And uh, I often often think that, uh, and I I work as an actor, sorry, John, 
I often think some of the parts I've played in the past, I think I'm an acceptable face of that. I'm quite fair skinned, for example, um, or I'm a state school kid who went to a good university, but I had an acceptable kind of British RP we accent, like a quite middle class accent. So I'm an acceptable, you know, class. They let you in. <laughs> they let me in. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think it's interesting that I, even in my 40s, I'm still coming away from thinking I had to put on an acceptable face in order to be um, let in somewhere. That's not a question. Sorry, Dawn. I'm just, that's just an observation. No, it's, it's an important one. And, mm. it's, and it's one we all, you know, I don't want to say everyone has some bit of privilege because that is probably not actually true, but we're very blind sometimes to our own way that we have fit in or whatever, right? I mean, I'm part of the LGBTQ community, maybe, or maybe you don't know that or think that, right? And then, but I have to, often it's, you know, it's really important to to the story's point for Mm. me to say that, right? Right. Because, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, for listeners, I'm a white 58-year-old woman uh, with brown hairs, a baseball cap and an abortion Uh, (laughs) t-shirt. And so, you know, it's, it's important for us to identify and know where we've kind of benefited and where we even we didn't mean to, right? You just do because it sets up these structures. And then for anyone who kind of violates it, it pushes you out. And that's that's the kind of whole idea about it. But, you know, there are a lot of other systems that also fall into that. Like I think about one thing that makes me angry and I love journalism and I love one, I love the podcast world so much, but I love journalism. I love the and believe that it's critical the free press. And I think there is some buy-in to things like abortion is a contentious issue, right? And it's divided. And you look at any bit of data and you look at anything related to the Supreme Court decision, and that's clearly not true. But again and again, you know, pick up the paper, read, mm. I guess people don't pick up the paper, only I do, but you, you, you know, you're reading things and they say, highly divided, highly contentious. No, actually the vast majority of people actually believe it's not legislators or politicians uh, decision and shouldn't be. And so and, it just drives me crazy. That's the press. And as a I'm, you know, I'm a novelist and, and well, I'm an agony aunt, which is an advice columnist. So I'm the dear Abby, um, uh, of, of a, a big newspaper. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I think that is the that is the media's job. We actually we had a wonderful guest on a couple of weeks ago, Miranda Sawyer, who's a journalist, and she has a. It's a bit like the Daily. It's the English equivalent, and she does she reads the papers every day, and she reads the headlines, and it's so fascinating how to actually hear in real time the difference mm. between um, how the Times, for example, will the headline in the Times to the headline in the Mirror, and it's it's. Yes. it's Roads is burning, <laughs> you know, and then in the, you know in the tabloid, and and unfortunately that that has become um, a thing because of course um, anything contentious and dramatic gets more people to read. Yeah, Dawn, how do you deal with uh, people's opinions of you? Um, because I'm I'm suggest I'm I'm assuming people have polarized tabloid headline sometimes opinions of you that bear no resemblance to you yourself. 
How do you deal with that? I ask as a reformed people pleaser anyway. How how do you deal with that? I do credit that I grew up in New Orleans for the fact that, you know, setting aside like Nazis and, you know, clans people that I could pretty much have a beverage with anybody. Right. As as mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a it's an important skill in New Orleans. And I and I really believe that's true, that with most people in the world, I could find something to connect on. Yeah. And I really think that is important in order to at least especially at the individual level. Right. Yeah. To try to say you're a human and I'm a human and we have really different conceptions of the world, but there's something you love your kids. I love my kids or you love the place where you were born. And I love the place where I was born. And you know, that there's something that's going to allow us to slightly click open some piece of our heart and our mind Mm -hmm. to that. Now, when people get in groups, that's where they seem to get really nasty. And yeah. uh, so because of that kind of tribalized mm. version of themselves and the anonymity, I think, I mean, our yes. psychology, again, folks mm. can tell us the the piece of that. But so at the individual level, you know, what I don't listen to, I, I used to like at the very beginning, I mean, people would send stuff to me all on the socials and everything. Mm. I don't pay a bit of attention to that. It doesn't bother me in the least. I'm, I go around saying, hi, Dawn, I'm an abortionist. I mean, I'm not an abortion provider, but I consider myself part of that. I talk about my abortion. I talk about being LGBTQ. I'm, um, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in that. And I actually have had people, again, they're disarmed a little bit by Mm. not being defensive, right. By being like, Hey, we don't agree. Um, when you're confronted with anger, how do you respond? I try to control my own. I will mm-hmm. say that, which is, you know, and, and I was thinking about, you know, kind of the the various forms of anger, right? There's passive aggressive anger, there's aggressive anger, and then there's, I don't know what they call it, assertive anger, I think is mm-hmm. one of the, there's like a name for it or something, but it's, it's like a, a more constructive mm-hmm. anger that's in confidence, it's confident about what you believe. And it says that, you know, there's kind of a jujitsu piece to it, I guess, right? Where you're trying not to give them what they want, Mm -hmm. which is they, they're looking for that. And if you give them that thing, I mean, it's not saying like you just skulk off and go, Oh, you know, but if you can stand to that in a confidence, but isn't, that kind of provoked thing, I find that's disarming as well. And that's very powerful. Do, do you do jujitsu? Is that one of your things? No, my, my thing, my my sport, I mean, I walk and do some exercise, but I is, is really a tennis player, a very, uh-huh. I'm angry about how poor my game is. But <laughs> <laughs> whacking that ball must be very cathartic. <laughs> It, it is. And it's a, a speedy game. So you can't do a lot of ruminating on. Mm, the other oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, like. That's a real benefit of tennis. I can suggest yeah. to people you don't have time to go. You know, if you're on a walk, you could really stew. But if you're yeah. playing tennis, no stew. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Um, I just want to take you back to what you were talking about with with. Um, growing up in New Orleans and 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 how you can talk to anybody and and 
there is this psychological phenomenon called groupthink. When you have groups, which is what we see so often here, particularly, you know, with the internet, people can anonymize in groups and, and you can, Mm. you can, you can fall into things. But I love what you said about essentially finding the humanity in everyone because there is humanity in everyone. And, and however strongly we, we may think we are very, very different. Ultimately, I think at our core, we do, we want our children to be safe and happy. We want to feel that we have enough money to live a comfort. I mean, we, our needs and wants are often very similar and, and finding that core is often the way forward. And it sounds like that's something that you, you do as part of your kind of automatic practice. And again, I, I truly believe that on the individual level, although there are some people who would be beyond what I personally felt I could be that intermediary too, right? You just were, your your views would be so abhorrent to me that it would be very hard to, yes. you know, live into that and take a, somebody else. But for the most part, I do agree. And again, when it, it's when it becomes a, you know, well, in order for me to get that for my children, I'm going to say you don't get it for yours, right? Or I right is that's where and and that's where it becomes kind of that ideological piece. And I definitely am not a I mean, I'm very worried about the language that we are hearing from the right around abortion, around compromise and you know they won't call anything a ban anymore it's like a consensus or a you know they are masterful at taking these issues and they know they're not palatable they know that they are uh, on the wrong side of both what people want the wrong side of history and it's all about maintaining power and they will do or say anything to do that And so I don't think the other thing I want to be clear about is we should not be lulled into we're all just humans trying to make our way. It's an important recognition for if we want to try to, you know, part of the goal, I think, is to say, if you believe this over here, is there a way to actually get you to believe something different? And Mm. it's not probably going to be by just yelling at them. So Mm. I think we have to have some way to some strategy at the same time. We we should not be kind of Pollyanna about all of this. Which Dawn, which brings me to um, before we will have to leave you shortly, I think I really would love to ask you what can we do each of us right now? It definitely, I mean, anger is will to the point we made very early on, I think can very much eat you up and be destructive if it doesn't have a an outlet that is going to feel like it's leading somewhere, right? And so I do think, you know, that just stewing, stew for a little bit, just enough to get you to move, mm-hmm. but then you have to to link up with some other people, Planned Parenthood, other organizations, LGBTQ, democracy, whatever it is, find a group of other people who believe in something important and put some time and energy to it. And it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, I I love there's, uh, I think it's Shout Your Abortion. I really want to like supersize the uh, what I call, they call the abortion lemonade stand, right? Which is to go put up a table and sell some lemonade to fund abortion funds and hand out information about what people can do. I mean, that in Texas, where I live, is a huge act of resistance and rebellion against a, a culture of fear, 
that they are trying to build around anyone who does anything to talk about this or to help people. So I just think, you know, be creative. I also do think we are not being kind of creative enough. Uh, we're in a different era. We cannot just repeat the ways of the marches of the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. right? Like our, we can't fight it with exactly the same tools as the last set of battles, right? And so that, of course, marching is a part of it. But I think, you know, in this era of technology, in this era mm -hmm. of AI, in this uh, era of global citizenship, which I think we have more opportunity for than ever before. I have one more angry thing that I wanted to just leave Please. if we're if we're wrapping up here, uh, which is a, a thing that really makes me angry is especially when women say, but men too, but when they say, boy, she's got big cojones or she's going balls to the wall. And I get infuriated and truly believe that we have got to say we are going ovaries to the wall and that we I love it. going yes. to, she's got big ovaries. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. I love we, it. Language matters. I guess yes. that's my point yes. is if we are always in reference to how we do or don't fit to the categories that are given to us and the language that is given to us and the imagery that's given to us, that's when we won't win. Mm -hmm. We have to redo all of that. And, uh, that's well, our opportunity. Dawn, your your creativity, your imagination, your your bravery is extraordinary, and you really are a joyful warrior, which is what I personally find very inspiring. So it's just been such a pleasure to have met you today. Thank you for taking the time. And thank you for fighting the good fight. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you all and to uh, share some of how we're thinking and how some of our line thinking. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dawn. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye.